My name is Will Holden, and today I am joined by the marvellous Mark Wall. How are you today? I'm okay, mate. All the better for seeing your beautiful new visage in a... <laughs> My new face. We've yes. got um, Nicolas Cage's face. It's a new thing you can have done. Uh, I'm also joined by the audacious Andy Melbourne. How are you, sir? Um, oh, good, thanks. Have you had a beard trim as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the works. Yes. Yeah, it's Top and bottom. Looking I would quite say that sharp. was more than a trim. Yeah, that's it is yeah, more yeah. than a trim. Yeah, yeah. It's actually more than I expected, but uh, I think it's all right. It's kind of gone from Gandalf to, I don't know, later period Riker, maybe. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I don't mind later period Riker. I was thinking at best like football hooligan, but <laughs> <laughs> so late late era Riker is. Uh, no, the hair's the football hooligan bit. The uh, the bit's yeah, not. Yeah. The bit's not rocking that. <laughs> You'd split the two. I think I'm moved by that. So I'll take I'll take all of that as compliment. Uh, today we are here to talk about Mark's choice, The Hill from 1965, directed by Sidney Lumet. Written by Ray Rigby did the screenplay and R.S. Allen the play. The blurb reads, in a North African military prison during World War II, five new prisoners struggle to survive in the face of brutal punishment and sadistic guards. It stars Sean Connery, Harris Andrews, Ian Bannon, Alfred Lynch, Ozzie Davis, Roy Kinnear, Jack Watson, Michael Redgrave and several others. Drop your trousers. Any serious illnesses? Like what? Any recent incapacities. Well, I wouldn't brag about it if I had to. Roberts, in this place it pays to give a plain answer to a simple question. Then I'm fit, sir. Yes. Where are you sending me? The Hill. Sean Connery. Bold. Exciting. Explosive. See that hill? I noticed it as I came in. We built it special. Two tons of sand and rock and a lot of labor and sweat. Start out! Mark, tell us a little bit about your choice. I saw it many years ago, and I just feel it it never, I never hear it mentioned in the list of great movies or Sidney Lumet movies. I personally believe it should be mentioned a lot more. It's also virtually impossible to buy, like, and watch. So Mm. I don't know that this is one that people would easily be able to find. I think you can maybe watch it on YouTube weirdly but yeah the the main reason was i remembered it being very good and very underrated so i wanted to revisit and i was interested what you guys would make of it as always as always andy do you want to throw out any uh any openers sure that's phrases i i completely understand where you're coming from mark like i don't know why I'd, i'd never heard of it before and you're right like i've never heard it mentioned there are Loads of aspects of the film that I understand why you kind of count it as a masterpiece. Like, I think a lot of the performances are outstanding. I think the kind of cinematography of it, like, it's so bleak and sort of brutal. Like, it's a difficult watch in bits of it. Yeah, I think particularly Connery's excellent in it. I think that uh, Ian Hendry, Staff Sergeant Williams, and... uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, Ozzy Davis as well as the like, uh, like West Indian like prisoner, I think are all excellent. But I, I still there's certain aspects of it that like slightly fell away for me, which is why it's not like right up in the like 
it's not going to be a 10 out of 10 for me. I'm sort of between two numbers. We, we can get into them later on. I won't blow my wad straight away. But yeah, I, do, I think it's imperfect. But I think like huge aspects of it are outstanding. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, mirror quite a lot of what Andy said there. I think excellent performances. Uh, I think it's shot really nicely. I think the black and white, I assume in 65, that is a choice rather than a, a necessity. Um, yeah, yeah but I think is really, uh, really effective. As you say, it's, it's super bleak, uh, both in kind of plotline and presentation. But I think that that sort of works to its strength. I don't know whether to get into it this this sort of early on. It's just a thought about it being inaccessible as a film and, and why that might be. And while I was watching it, um, I was with Catherine and we talked about the use of like racial language involved in it and at first like it uses it with some like abandon I don't think without sort of purpose I think it has like absolute plot bearing and doesn't really dissuade from the film massively but there is a lot of use of uh, racial slurs but then also had the realization Django Unchained exists and that's a much more recent film yeah so so sort of backed off that as an idea but it did it struck me all the same that i wonder if that's i don't know just somehow why it's been forgotten by by time a little bit the the little i little i kind of know is that it just wasn't wasn't commercially successful at all was it like i think it's been sort of critically acclaimed later but i don't know if it just it just they just didn't produce many copies of it because it wasn't particularly commercially like successful yeah, yeah, it, it's got like a few BAFTA and Cannes uh, Film Festival wins. But yeah, not, but I, that, uh, not that, not the big ones. Also, that's critical. Like, that's not. Yeah, I mean, to I sales. mean, yeah, I mean, literally. Like, I don't know whether it was that popular. Mm-hmm. Well, it, yeah, it, it's definitely not a commercial film. I don't think it's likely anything to do with the with the language used. It's lack of you know, success. It's not every character that uses racial slurs either. It's in no way racist. It's highlighting racist aspects in certain Absolutely. characters. Yeah. And it's also kind of progressive in other ways um, with Ozzy Davis, who I agree, by the way, is fantastic. And for me, maybe the performance of the movie in a film, which is, I, I think, virtually everyone is great to be honest i don't think there's a a weak link and i just think there's there's so many layers to it there's so much going on which is why i love it i think it's all about our dynamics mainly Mm -hmm. it's kind of i just find it fascinating even the bad characters are not just flat out bad even with with like harry andrews who's like the uh you know, the the guy who runs the facility, not the commandant who's just a a joke character, which I think is kind of intentional as well, showing the guy who runs the whole thing is actually like a bit of an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. But with Harry Andrews, he genuinely believes that he is doing the right thing. You know, I don't think he's not as sadistic as uh, Ian Hendry's Williams character, for example. There are very slight softer edges to him. But yeah, I I do kind of think it's perfect. I, 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 it is a tough watch, but it's it's not. I don't find it difficult to watch. I think the subject matter is bleak, but there's a load of lightness in there as well. There's some humour. 
there's a lot of camaraderie which i think really lifts it mm-hmm. and just the craft behind it the style is just brilliant i think it's uh masterful in its construction i don't think there's a wasted moment and yeah i just find it fascinating there isn't just a, a straight story there's loads going on within it along the sort of uh the subject of, of the plot as like you say it's not really an a to b plot but on first watching and maybe something that would improve on on multiple watches i found it took a little while to find its feet and i think it took for walters who dies is stevens stevens, stevens. is the yeah that's right yeah stevens who dies once he dies, I think that like really sets the tone for the remainder of the film. Um, for sure. And there's that particular scene where they all gather in the kind of courtyard section and sort of seem to have a, a one-up against the prison guards. He sort of like bats them down and one by one, they like crumple until like Connery's just left on his own. Yeah, but that gives you that real punch the air moment where Ozzy Davis then supports Connery's character and you can see it in Connery's face at the time, just like no one is prepared to stand with him other than Ozzy Davis. And I love their relationship between those two. Mm -hmm. I think think they're, they're great. I like the fact that all of the inmates, so to speak, all have sort of differing personalities and... They're all quite entertaining. You've even got, I don't know if you guys realised, I think he's hes maybe the weakest character in there, but um, the sort of slightly more thuggish inmate, the, the Yorkshireman, is a godbolt from uh, Edge of Darkness. Yeah, I did, oh, yeah. I did yeah. realise I did realise that because I looked up where I recognised him from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to look up where I knew, is it Roy Kinnear? Yeah, the uh, the sort of larger, yeah. slightly comedy character. I forget now where I did recognise him from, but also I just recognise him because he looks like Rory Kinnear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that makes sense. It's uh, Mr. Salt in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. Oh, he is, isn't he? Yeah. That's probably... He's in a fair few Avengers episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seems that sort of guy. It's just a cast of character actors, though. Like, all of them are, like, they just turn up in loads of 60s British TV and stuff. And, yeah. again, Ian Bannon's another one, uh, the the staff sergeant who's actually not all bad and is kind of trying to support the inmates. I like the fact that there's actually balance there and mm-hmm. variety between the characters. Yeah, I, I agree. Also, it's kind of what Sidney Lumet does. Like, he just, it just gets great performances. <laughs> but... Where I would disagree, I think, is where he said, like, there's not a wasted moment. I, I usually, I think bits of it are very slow paced and they're sort of purposely slow paced because it's, it's building this kind of sort of brutal and slightly dark atmosphere. I think a lot of the characters, because it's sort of sh- set over quite a short period of time, you don't get a huge amount of like character development, which is fine. It's not what the film's about, but like the only one who really sort of changes is, um, is like Ossie Davis's character because he, basically sort of hits mm-hmm. a breaking point. You get genuine characters, but not like their character changing, I don't think. And I think the film sort of establishes what those characters are, often like pretty much straight away. You kind of, the very first scene that you have a character and you kind of know what that character is. I, for me, I almost feel like it spends more time 
showing that that's kind of unnecessary. Like once I've seen a guard being sort of sadistic, I don't I don't feel like you need to keep sort of showing the same thing. I, I feel like I like the slow pacing as a general rule when it's kind of creating that atmosphere, but I, I don't know. It, it, a bit of it sort of felt slow and it's only like a two hour film. It's not like mega long. Yeah, particularly sort of at the start when it was doing a lot of character introduce, I just felt like it dragged a touch. Yeah, I can see where you're coming from. I don't necessarily agree, though. I think it shows a lot of repetition for a reason. It's it's putting the characters through the mire and it's trying to rub that off on the on the viewer as well, I think. It's really <laughs> trying to get across what they're going through and just like the way it captures the heat and just the the exhaustion and everything is is really impressive and even within those slower scenes for me at least there's just enough going on within the within the camera work alone it's just insane some of the stuff they're doing that i don't disagree with at all i think the cinematography for the film is fantastic as well there's like it's set in this really like claustrophobic like setting but whenever they're outside everything feels it's like you sort of get the feeling of the desert from it. It's like <laughs> mm-hmm. the sort of a vastness to it. Like it's a weird mix that sort of, yeah, like claustrophobia and vastness at the same time. Yeah, I don't know that it, uh, the repetition of like the, the sadism or whatever, I, I don't, there's always more going on. Like there's always someone fighting back against it or someone in particular suffering there's there's always multiple elements going on at any one time i don't think it's just as basic as like you know, this guy is bad and making them do bad things for his own pleasure there's it's a lot deeper than that i think i think it's a fair criticism it's certainly not a like pacey film but i i find it a very easy to watch film yeah i've not got anything particularly original to add um i mean mark you've been very very effusive about it and i think for the most part, I agree. As I mentioned earlier, and I think, Andy, you kind of got it a bit more in detail. It took until uh, Stevens dies to sort of focus in. But once I got to that point, all the way through to the end, then I was I was sort of really absorbed into it. And it's not to say I didn't in, kind of enjoy the first period, but I do agree that at a certain point, I kind of thought, is this going to have any plot at all? Like, is it going to kind of get into something? And I was worried that it that it wouldn't. And if it remained at that kind of just day in the life sort of thing, I don't think I would have enjoyed it quite as much. But of course, then it, it sort of proved me wrong, and and I did enjoy it. So, I, as I say, not really, uh, <laughs> not really any special points to add. But how did you feel about the ending? Because you touched on it, Mark. That like it's a pretty. Uh... A very bleak film. It doesn't give any sort of upside on ending either. It's a like it's a bleak ending. I think it. I think it fits the overall tone of the film. It would have felt quite unrealistic for it to kind of result in much of anything else, other than being like a perhaps a full scale sort of riot, which I think could have been equally as as bleak. I think it could have ended more open ended. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. That is sort of. The ending comes quite abruptly, I think. And you're right, it very fitting for the tone of the film. I'm not saying I want a like uplifting ending. I just mm. I, I, I don't know. I think whether... you were just just turning the screw a bit too much. I don't know. 
Well, the thing is, though, it does it does lead you down the path of a of a positive ending. It really builds up like the positive aspects, and yeah, I think that was very intentional. And then, you know, they they're basically getting to the point where they may actually make change here. You know, they they may actually succeed in improving that system. Yeah, by calling out the guy causing all the problems. And that still may happen. It's open-ended in the sense that we don't know what happens next, necessarily. It's just obviously heavily implied that, obviously, by beating him up, they're basically undoing all of their ammo yeah, that, against him, of course. That's, and, that's how I basically read it, that, like, they'd kind of killed their own chances. Like, I, I just feel like... Yeah. The, I don't know... I'm not arguing this as, like, I think this will be an improvement, but you definitely have the option to end the film, like a minute earlier and just leave that out and leave leave that possibility there i think it doubles down on the inherent flaws of humanity basically because like right from the start you know they're they're prisoners under their own system aren't they? and their own army basically they're being punished for crimes within their own army they've they are flawed people they've cocked up to varying degrees and i find that stuff interesting as well particularly with the Connery character and and what he did and how that is viewed and whether it was right or wrong and all of that and um I think the ending doubles down on that to a degree it's sort of like yeah these these are flawed people and it's not just gonna be a simple happy ending because ultimately even though these are your main people these are who, who you have been following they're flawed and they still make mistakes at the end you know they've made mistakes before that's what got them in there in the first place and they continue to do so and i just think that's interesting they feel like very very realistic character portrayals to me 100 percent. yeah i yeah. get that yeah i i agree i think that helped as well the kind of it it fit not only the tone, but just kind of the realism of the situation. Like they're in a prisoner camp for kind of like deserters and and cowards, as they say. Yeah, realistically, their life is going to be absolutely dog shit. And I also like that the, the comeuppance of him getting beaten up, which should kind of be satisfying, being as though what a dick he's been, actually doesn't feel like comeuppance at all. In the end, revenge doesn't pay. No, that's, that's right. It's almost like a... Uh in the grand scheme of things, it's probably a positive for his situation. Because the end, it feels quite abrupt and because it makes that sort of last ditch turn. I guess I, guess I sort of just came away with like a, like, oh. Sort of. it, wasn't, it wasn't like disappointing. It was just felt like I wanted a bit more and I'm not 100% sure what it is that I wanted. I didn't, I didn't feel 100% satisfied by the by the ending and I don't know totally what I would change about it yeah yeah I think that's that's fair enough I think it is the aspect like we said he dangles a carrot and then pulls it away yeah I kind of like that you know (laughs) it's a bit different yeah I don't know I just found there was tons of food for thought throughout it what what someone takes from it is going to be different I suppose but I find it interesting that even, you know, the Connery character and his, like, the, the great scene with him and Harry Andrews where he's just been injured and everything and he's struggling to stand up and just sort of shouting back to him about... But ultimately, he said moments before to Ozzy Davis that, like, without orders, there, there has to be orders. Without orders, we're all screwed. But he's ultimately broken those orders himself. It's just there's co- constant contradictions. Yeah, Connery's characters 
great. Like, I think it's one of the few characters that, that thing that I said about kind of you get the idea of a character from the first scene, you don't really from Connery. Like, you sort of get the back chat and stuff, but you don't know the reason that he's there. He's obviously, like, a um, of interest to the guards immediately. And you kind of drip-fed the, like, the reason why he disobeyed orders. And so it means that you sort of have an idea of his character before... I think if you got that information straight away, like you kind of you're on board with him straight away, where like you say, it paints that like area of grey, because he's kind of he's the one that you feel is there for the right reasons, I guess. Like he didn't want to lead his men into like a, a suicide mission. But they all ended up dying. Yeah. Futile. Like Yeah, exactly. And and it's there's a lot of that, a lot of commentary on the futility of war and stuff. Yeah. It's far more effective than, say, like, I don't know if either of you have seen it. Like, I watched um, Paths of Glory. It's a Stanley Kubrick movie with Kirk Douglas, and it's, like, one that's touted as a, a great anti-war film. And I just thought it was far, far too obvious and just, it is just black and white. There, There, there is no, nothing in between in that movie, whereas this one... I don't know if this is necessarily anti-war. Like, it, well, it's... I don't think it is, but that's but it, it at least it got me thinking about various different aspects, not just of war, but again, just power and systems and all of all of all sorts of stuff. But there's yeah. there's definitely sentiments to think about there in terms of war and and stuff. Yeah. I think. 100%. But I think that's the thing you're saying, like about Con- Connery's character saying, like, we need rules and things like that. Like, he's lived his, it feels like it was a sudden realization for him or a sudden moment. He's presumably, like, to the rank that he's risen to, has spent, like, most of his adult life, like, following those rules and believing in them. It's just an interesting character. Full stop. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Cool. I've blabbed on enough, really. <laughs> I think it's fascinating that Connery played that character like right between, I think, uh, you know, two early, really early Bond movies. It's like mm-hmm. a completely different kind of beast altogether. I think Connery's got quite a strong history through his career of doing quite off, off the path film choices. I presumed that this was pre-Bond when I first watched it and then realised like where it fell within, like, I don't know why I thought that. I didn't really think of the years. I think because it's in black and white as well, it threw me a little bit. But Yeah, I think it's it's possibly after From Russia With Love before Goldfinger or something like that. Um, but I presume I presume it's Connery purposely trying to distance himself from Bond. Like, Yeah, I, I think I just... It's a hell of a like, dramatic role to take on when you're doing... Uh, absolutely. Bond in between. Um no, no music to speak of. I don't think there's any music at all, yeah. I was going to do that as a funny bit, to be like, what's everyone think of the music? But... <laughs> Never mind. But again, I think that sort of, in that time period, you might expect a, a potentially quite sort of romantic and flowery soundtrack, mm. which wouldn't have painted the right picture at all. And you could have gone more the, the Bernard Herman sort of... Yeah, root, root potentially. It could have played up the the horrific aspects for sure, of which there are many. I think it just adds to the kind of the the realistic and kind of um, bleakness of it. Yeah, I think that's right. 
I don't think it almost needs it to accent that. I think the the absence of music is the thing that kind of highlights that. I think a lot of it comes back to that level of realism, both in the just the situation, the setting and mm-hmm. the performances. You say along with just like really interesting cinematography and everything else. The editing as well. Mm. There's a few scenes, but just sorry, the the one where um Stevens yeah. and he's he's like walking back and forth in the room and they're all pissing themselves and it's just cutting between them all laughing and him and it, and then he obviously just drops down and basically dies there and then and it's uh you know I mean that that it's just fantastic filmmaking I think and there's there's several moments like that where they don't exactly have set pieces but it's just you know little ramp ups of energy and th- those things aren't particularly realistic suddenly there's a lot more tricks going on but you're so ingrained in the realism it you don't lose that feel it just kind of heightens the drama it's good stuff like i say i just i just think the craft of it is immaculate and the use of the location as well is amazing for a single location film the, the titular hill as well at first, you think that doesn't it doesn't seem that bad a torture, but when you really think about, like it wouldn't it wouldn't take me more than well, probably just once up and down. I think that be enough. <laughs> I'd like yep. to I'd like to die now. <laughs> yeah, you broke me. You rebuilt me. <laughs> yeah, we don't need back to war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I'd sort of almost rather be at war. I think. Do you want to do some scoring, or does anyone have anything else? No, 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 no. I I will say. I'm going to give it a nine. I did originally score it as a five out of five on on Letterboxd, and I was going to go 10, but in playing it again today, the reason, the only, because I, I do think it's pretty much a perfect film, but ultimately, but it, it's not exactly like, let's all gather around and watch the hill. <laughs> like, you know, it's a, it's a serious movie, and I think it's an incredibly good one, and I can't really fault any single aspect of it. Think you should give it you often you often try and talk us up when we're uh when we're being low and i think you should give it a 10 yeah um, i do i think like there are films that i finish watching and i think like that's superb and i i don't need to watch that again it's it's well there is that argument as well isn't there watch. Like, it can just be a, <laughs> it can just be a one watch 10 out of 10 you never need to watch it again yeah, yeah right well think... you, you've you've convinced I... me I'm not. I'm not. I'm not totally sure that this film is it for me. Like, I don't think it leaves. No, no, I don't. I, that, yeah. that kind of mark for me, where I'm like, it was. It's so difficult to watch. I don't sort of need to emotionally put myself through that again. But, but that happens yeah. occasionally. No, fair enough. Okay, yeah. You, you you talk to me back up. I think the way you've spoken about it, like, I think I think it's worthy of it. I'm going to give it an eight, and I think I've really struggled to articulate why, and I think that's because I don't have very clear reasons on why I'm kind of marking it down. I think a lot of it, well, no, I do have a clear reason, and it is literally my kind of, my experience with the film. Like, Pretty good reason. (laughs) Yeah, I know, that's exactly it. Like, I I don't feel like I can mark it any higher, even though I think, like, loads of... It's a good score, man. It is, yeah, of course it is. I think loads of aspects of it are like fairly masterful, but like me saying, like a slightly left cold by the ending, but I don't mm-hmm. fully know what I wanted. And like particularly early on, I sort of just wanted it to be a little bit more kinetic. Like I didn't feel like yep. I was like the, 
slow pacing is there to build an atmosphere and I sort of I didn't feel like it was increased anymore by like a, a slowish start to it if you were marking it on like lots of different aspects then you know like the acting and the cinematography and the direction mm-hmm. and, uh, that so many of them score 10 out of 10s for me that I can't really go any lower than an eight and I wouldn't really want to nice think I started closer to an eight but after talking about it today I've uh, I've definitely been talked up to a nine I think other than I say that like sort of bit of pacing at the beginning which really only lasted for perhaps less than half the film I'm not really quite sure other than that like I don't I just don't really have a criticism that's it it's a nine and I do want to watch it again incidentally I do want to watch it again I probably won't wait that long what's coming up next uh, yeah, film, we're going to do uh, The Cook, The Thief, His Wife and Her Lover. Yeah, that was wrong. We didn't do The Cook, His Wife and blah, 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 because we couldn't find it to watch. So the film actually ended up being 2020's Another Round, starring Mads Mikkelsen. Back to Will to see us out. That's all from us at Screen and Needle. Uh, join us next time. We'll do another music thing. We'll do another film thing. And um, we'll keep doing things. Bye.